But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. Dude, dude, <laughs> a little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best. I have to sit bad during the intro too. To <laughs> oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 100. <laughs> episode 100 of the 81 square meters of the best volleyball coverage on the internet. This is the 9 by 9 I'm Rob St. Clair, live from Chicago. That is Everett Delorme, live from Toronto. This is episode 100. Uh, it's not like, it's probably not really episode 100. We've no. done a lot. We've done a lot more than this, like all the World Championship and VNL and all those like extra shows that weren't really counted in the in the the total but we're gonna go ahead and call this episode 100 from november of 2021 until now december 2023 uh, it's been a long road i'm very proud of what everett and i have built here we love doing the show we love you guys we appreciate you all for watching uh, I, I ask everyone to put all their to put any good uh put any good nine by nine memories in the chat and we can laugh at them and reminisce throughout the show there's already some good ones yeah there's already some good ones but uh yeah this this episode 100 and uh of, of course like every single week in the volleyball world there is no shortage of things to talk about and ever there's about one week or so every club season when uh the fivb slides themselves into the spotlight and uh, it, not only was it the Club World Championship last week and this week upcoming for the women, we had the announcement of the Volleyball Nations League schedules. So uh, we can talk about Let's these. Go. We can talk about Let's these go. really quick. We can already look at the look forward to the 2024 national team season. Uh, the VNL starts much, much earlier, much way earlier, way earlier than like, most years. Obviously, they have to get it in before the Olympics, but May 14th. The start of week one on the women's side, which is way earlier than usual. Uh, but uh, I, I kind of like what they're doing here. Week one for the women is in Antalya, Turkey, and Rio in Brazil. And then week one for the men the following week is in the exact same two places. I actually really mm -hmm. like that. Uh, same with like, uh, I think week week two for the men is in Japan and week three for the women is in is in Japan as well, and I assume that'll be in the same city. But uh, we got Arlington, Texas, week two for the women, and very importantly, we get Ottawa, Canada, week two for the men. Basically, the same part of the calendar as it usually is. So, everyone, yeah. the volleyball source universe, mark your calendars, get there. We, we this this year, I think Ottawa. Like you guys, you guys need to come to Ottawa, Ronnie. We're mostly talking to you right now. Don't don't <laughs> Cuba be, will don't be, be there. Cuba, Cuba will be there. Um, I mean. A, the, the earliness of the schedule really surprises me. Like, really surprises me. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how that works between, you know, like, when's, when's the Champions League finals? Like, it has to be, I guess, early May then, it's, which I actually don't mind. Yeah. I've always found it to be way too late. Um, but I, like, like when, I, when I look at this, A, first and foremost, we're going back to Ottawa, my hometown. You got to love it. Rob, we've had some great times there. Uh, I love... I, I, I've been seeing some maybe criticisms that maybe we could switch up the teams a little bit. Um, there's a few teams that we haven't seen come through Ottawa at all uh, throughout the, the VNL. And I think it's mainly just Iran, Turkey, well, Turkey, obviously, uh, Iran and Japan. 
are the only two teams and Slovenia would be the Slovenia. only teams that we haven't seen come come through come through Ottawa. But it's gonna be very similar to, to last year, which I love. It's gonna, we're gonna get the classic USA versus Canada. We're gonna get the classes Canada versus Cuba, Argentina, Serbia, Netherlands, France, Italy, like and not to mention Rob, what I'm most excited about this for us going to Ottawa is that it's week two. Right. We have had we have had that week one maybe not so stellar rosters in the past. Like we've seen Italy the past two years in a row, and we've never seen any of the stars other than like Gianelli. Um, you know, we've seen Poland for a couple of times, haven't, haven't seen any, any of the big guys. I think with week two in this, we're going to see some, uh, some of the bigger guys going up, like especially the Americans. It would make so much sense for the Americans not to send any of the big guys for week one. Week two comes in. It's in North America. Quick flight over from Anaheim. Let's get it going. Yeah, so I'm I'm really curious about that, and we'll obviously talk about it a lot more next summer. But remember that the the teams who have already qualified for the Olympics, they really have nothing to play for results wise. This VNL, the results don't matter. It's just going to be up to every federation on how they want to strategize, like how what they want to use the VNL for. Like even Italy, like the Italian men and women who haven't qualified technically for the olympics yet they obviously will via world ranking so mm-hmm. remember in like 2021 in the bubble which was in italy that there was an olympics that summer and italy didn't send a single one of the 18 players the entire tournament on either side so I, i'm curious to see how everybody kind of approaches it but and we don't have the schedule yet but something i'm really looking forward to on the men's side serbia versus cuba whenever it is that those two teams play they're in the same pool week one and two and actually and two. three and three they're, <laughs> they're in the same place in in all in all three weeks now they're only going to play each other once but when they do it's going to be massive because those are the teams trying to chase each other down for world ranking to get that last olympic spot so um i hope that it's in ottawa that would be insane if we got to see that match that would that would that would be incredible overall Rob, how do you feel about the hosts for this year's uh tournament i actually quite like them you, you I like mixing them, them up between all three hemispheres you've got two weeks in in the western hemisphere in ottawa and brazil you've got two in europe and then you've got uh two in asia of course we're going back to the philippines as well big shout out to those filipino fans we know they're they're loving them i got into some discussions over on i will have to this is a random shout out but i will have to give a shout out to our beach volleyball they are not the terrible uh subreddit that is our volleyball like they have legitimate conversations over there, and we were talking about the Philippines, and and they're like, why, why are we doing Villanelle in the Philippines? And I was like, well, I would do like if it wasn't for wanting to watch VNL, I would do all of the VNL in the Philippines. At least they're going to show up for the games. <laughs> for know? sure, like, yeah, the, the crowd's great. I mean, the, I I completely agree with going back there. They they've done phenomenal work hosting the last two years the crowds are insane uh i like ljubljana as a host as well it's cool to see it come to slovenia they they did a you don't love that one i do i like it they were so empty for the world championships last year so empty anytime slovenia wasn't playing it was empty this is why this is why that's the the case for every host site i mean no not like not in the philippines well that's because they don't have it that's because the philippines doesn't have a team and i i mean Ottawa, the, the crowds are okay for non-Canadian matches, but like, yeah. you got to lower your expectations a little bit. I, just I mean, think... there's at least there's a few thousand people in the stands for a non-Canadian matches where like there was legitimate matches of the World Championships between good teams that had under a thousand. So, I mean, I, I, I just hope I just hope that the fans in Ljubljana show up a little bit more. That's that's all I have to say because you know everywhere else they will. 
Yeah, but I, I, I like all the sites. I really like Turkey A week one. I like Rio week one. I like that they're doing uh, those two sites for both the men and the women. I like that we're going back to Arlington, Texas. I think they, could, they, they did a good job hosting the VNL final last year for the women, but I do think that that kind of gives me the vibe of more of a, of a preliminary round site instead of the finals. So uh, I do like that. Uh, I like doing two weeks in a row in Japan. They're obviously an excellent event host. Two weeks in a row in China for the women, I don't love. That's kind of my only complaint. But uh, And then we, we also don't know where the finals are going to be yet on either side. Obviously, that, that'll come much later. But uh, it's, it's another thing that's important to point out is that the, the dates of all this, obviously, everything's way earlier. Club season is being pushed way earlier. Uh, we're way ahead of the game in Champions League compared to where we usually are. That's so that they can get everything done for club, get everything started for national team season because the – the VNL finals, like the, the women's ends on June 23rd, 2024, and the men's ends on June 30th. The Olympic tournament starts on July 27th. So the, uh, the women have just over a month. The men have less than a month between the end of the VNL finals and the start of the Olympics. And that just adds to the intrigue of how the teams are going to attack it, whether or not they're already qualified. So uh, I think that you might see a whole lot of very, very good teams not in the VNL finals. Because for a lot of them, I, I think they, they might rather take two extra weeks off versus play a, a match or two or maybe three uh, less than a month before the Olympics. So we'll keep our eye on that. But the, the, the calendar being much more compressed is going to be a storyline in all of 2024. I don't know if I'll necessarily see that. I do think that they're in like rest first rust. I would rather see them rest uh, in the first couple. Like if I was the coach, I'd be like, you know, like first two weeks of VNL, maybe my stars aren't playing. Third week, we're going to get back into them. We're going to use the finals as a little bit of a as a little bit of a preparatory, preparatory phase as 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 we move forward. Because I mean, like the majority of the teams that are already qualified are still strong all the way through their roster. Right? Poland can send their C team and they'd still be fine. True. Um, same with so, Italy. Yeah, say, same with Italy. Um, you know, and th that kind of goes for uh, both sides on, on the men's and the women's side. So, yeah, I, I, I think uh, it, it is definitely going to be interesting to see how different teams manage their rosters. Um, you know, like especially like Canada and the USA. How, how, how yeah. is that going to go down? Because I think that's especially like two teams that I don't necessarily think have the depth to rest some of their big guys. You know? And still make the finals, yeah. But I, I, yeah. I think either team would probably be okay with that if my understanding of the two programs is anywhere close. I think they would be perfectly happy to, you know, just polish a couple of the pieces of the Olympic roster, especially in Ottawa. Like you'll, you'll obviously see the Canadian A team in Ottawa, but I wouldn't 100%. be, I wouldn't be surprised. If, like, so where, where are the other two spots for the Canadian men? They're going to uh, Turkey. Or no, so yeah, t Turkey and Philippines. Turkey and the Philippines. Like, I don't think it's worth sending the Canadian A team to either of those two places. No, I would and agree. And same with the U.S. Like, I I would be shocked if the if the U.S. men sent the A team to Turkey and the Philippines. I just don't really think there's a point. I think it's probably just going to be the guys, the the Olympians, to take a tune up in Ottawa, and that'll probably be it. And like the the women. The women's chase for that those last couple spots is definitely more interesting. There's more teams in the mix than just Serbia and Cuba for the men. But if, even still, like, what are the Canadian it's, women going to do? They, they basically have no choice but to send everybody. Oh, yeah. 
No, for Canada, it's it's on the women's side. It's full hands on decks, absolutely. And even when you go to the to the women's side, I think it's really only between Canada and Netherlands. I forget. I, let me let me look at the rankings again, because because Italy is obviously going to get a spot. Uh, so you need to chase down the Netherlands and Japan. Japan still hasn't qualified, and they're. Uh, yeah, but They're Japan good. is is forty points ahead of us. Yeah. The Netherlands is twelve. The Netherlands is twenty two points ahead of Canada. That that's oh twenty two. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that that's, is that's that be tough. That that is going to be tough. We need we need an exceptional an exceptional uh, VNL, and they need to kind of lose a little bit. Yeah, um, uh, good so. point by Kenny Diaper in the chat as well. The the Olympic seating, what uh, that the Olympic seating won't be set until after VNL, and it's seated basically by world ranking. So there's going to be some teams trying to move up. There might even be some teams that try to move down because, especially on the women's side, there, there's going to be a couple very weak pools. Like there's going to be a great chance that one of the pools is France because they're going to get the number one seed as the hosts, and then the the end of the snake is going to be the African team. And there's going to be one or two teams that are going to try their best to be in Pool A with those two much, much lesser teams. So we can talk about that much more next year. But there, there's there's a lot of moving parts to this. Plus, again, if you're a challenger team in VNL, you don't want to get relegated even in an Olympic year. So there's there's a lot going on here. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Plus, you know, <laughs> uh, so, um, there, yeah, there is absolutely a lot of go- going on here. But I'm excited. You know, I, I have mixed feelings about VNL. Part of me thinks it's absolutely useless, but the other part of me absolutely loves it because I'm a volleyball nerd and I just like watching volleyball. Yeah, we're it's it's great for the volleyball fan. It's uh, but like the, the all, everything that goes on off the court, like what is its purpose really, is is kind of where the debate comes in. But I think that's enough VNL talk for now. We'll get back to it next May, obviously. Uh, speaking of volleyball world FIVB events, Perugia won the club world championship. Hooray. Who cares? Round of applause. Who cares? Uh, this should have been a more fun tournament to watch than it was. Uh, yeah. Hawkbank Ankara, very disappointing. Uh, they, like Somehow Minas from Brazil got to the final, which they did not deserve. They were not the second best team there. Uh, Perugia, uh, did Perugia drop a set the entire tournament? I honestly don't think they no, did. Like, they, didn't, they, they, they didn't get pushed. Perugia didn't like it wasn't even close at all. Um, the fact that Hulkbank Ankara lost three two twice to Suntory. Well, the first time shows... they got they got three dong the first time in oh. pools and then lost all oh. five in the bronze medal match. Which I mean, yeah, crazy. you have and Mazursky scored ninety four points in the tournament. That is absolutely insane. It was good to see him. It was good to see Dmitry Mazursky again. It, but I it, I it I don't really have anything really to say about this tournament. I mean, one pool was significantly better than the other because the the pool was. I mean, Sada Crucero didn't even make it out of pools, and Minas yeah. from the other pool goes to the final by the skin of their teeth and just get, gets lucky with a with a much much easier draw. But yeah, um, Hawkbank getting fourth is very disappointing. Um, congratulations to Suntory for winning bronze. I mean, that, that's nice for a Japanese team. I think that's the first time that's ever happened. But uh, this this shouldn't be surprising. I mean, Perugia was by far the best team in this tournament. And I just wish that Hawkbank had given him more of a fight. I mean, they played in, in the semis, and it was a three-dong, and only the third set was competitive. I mean, it was 25-14, 25-16. Like, come on. 
Yeah, I mean, I just don't think that, like, the little I saw of Hawkbank from this tournament, I don't think that they were taking it too seriously. I think this might have been more for uh, the enjoyment uh, of it all. But let's be honest, this this tournament sucks yeah, in, 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 in so many different ways. I don't know why we have it. Um, it just doesn't it doesn't add anything to the volleyball world. Nothing. The only thing that it added to this year was that it grew volleyball in India a little bit. But I mean, like they had a terrible Indian announcer on the on the broadcast. Didn't know what they were talking about, which is so weird because last year for the Indian League we had Louis Lett and King Michael. Like, what? Where was that? I thought that was going down. I messaged Louis. I was like, hey, are you going to India? He's like, nah, mate, it's not me. And I was like, well, what, what are we dealing with? Like, what are we doing with here? Um, don't don't get me started about commentator choices. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna see uh, Rob get all red over there. Oh, great. Um, but I mean, this. I think this tournament is exactly what it is for teams who are in the middle of their their season, who are traveling a lot, and they have to travel all the way to India for a two day tournament. The setup looked nice, at least, um, as it usually does. Uh, but <laughs> classic French Canadian going when you want to just stop talking about something. I like that. Yeah, uh, I have I have nothing to add to the Club World Championship. I, I think it adds no value to volleyball. I think that the field is poorly decided upon. I don't think it is at all representative of being a club world championship. As its name suggests, it is not even close to a world championship. And obviously because the the top two teams in Europe, Zaxa and JSW, declined the invite again. That's that's all you really need to know here is that the best teams are choosing not to go to this tournament. So good job, Perugia. I mean, they... I will have to say they looked good, right? They they dominated they dominated um, they, they didn't drop a set and, and that's that's fantastic like that's what i want to see from perugia but it's also a lot similar to what we saw last year too right and uh the other the other thing that we have to clown on volleyball world on as this tradition is it is just another remarkably bad choice of the dream team camille semeniuk was by far the best player in this tournament like by far his his numbers were just phenomenal and he wasn't not only was he not the mvp which he should have been he wasn't even included on the dream team. So I don't know what tournament we're watching out here. Like I'm not going to claim to have watched every second of this tournament, but it was clear to me who the MVP should have been. So uh, just another bad decision from volleyball world there. This tournament sucks. And uh, now, unfortunately we have to deal with it again this coming week. Uh, the, <laughs> the women's club world championship is going down in China. The only two good teams, obviously are Vakif bank and Zaja Basha. How the hell, are we placing a Vietnamese team in this field? I think, Rob, we need to do an in-depth investigation on the Asian Club Championships because they have the most inconsistent everything when it comes to sending teams to this tournament. The fact that they allow our Iranian team, I mean, it didn't happen last year, to just pick up superstars from around the world just for that specific tournament is crazy. Um there's there's so many different things that, that that I want to know how it works in Asia, and this is definitely one of them. Um, I mean, that Vietnamese team is just going to get absolutely smacked around uh, by the rest of the clubs in this, I mean, in the, in this well, tournament. Last year's Club World Championship, there was a Kazakh team that was like in the bottom half of the standings in the Kazakh League. Like, what are we doing? This is not a Club World Championship when you have six teams, and one of them is from Vietnam. That's not a volleyball country. That, that, that team... There's no way that team gets to double digits. Like I feel bad. Like what? Why? What? What does that add? What value does that add to a to a tournament that has world championship in the title? 
not to mention that like you we have no teams from North America. I mean, we're we'll, we're going to talk about that later on today because the 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 status of a North American volleyball is is changing. But like, hell, why don't why not? Mm, I was about to say like why not send the NCAA chance, but that that's an obvious one since like you know Wisconsin and Nebraska aren't gonna like forego the NCAA tournament to play oh. World Club Championships. Yeah, that doesn't matter at all. Not, not a chance. But even like the two Brazilian teams, uh, Minas and Dentil Praia Clube, like those teams aren't competitive compared to Itzajabasha and Vakafeng. Like not even close. And the only thing that would have been cool about this was Tianjin is the Chinese team that's playing, and that's where Melissa Vargas plays. But she's not playing; she's out with the shoulder she's injured, right? <laughs> Which sucks because her her playing against like Vakif and Zajibasha, like that would have been cool. But no, we we don't get that. We're gonna see Vakif and Zajibasha in the final. That's gonna be the only match match worth watching. We're gonna see a Vietnamese team never reach double digits. Like. I, I, I just I just don't care. I don't care about this tournament. Yeah, I know the people in the chat are saying that the the Turkish teams take it seriously. Yeah, they do. The, they, do. they do. And that's why we're going to see them steamroll everybody on their way to the final. And that final will probably be a pretty good match. But other than that, like this is not a world championship. This is not no. representative of the world of club volleyball. It's not even close. It's another thing that the FIVB volleyball world looked over and they're like, well, soccer's doing it. We should just do that. Guys, soccer's doing it. We got to do what soccer's doing. Boomers in trench coats. And uh, yeah, good point in the chat. Uh, it's a bummer that Jenna Gray, the American setter for Mina, she hurt her ankle pretty seriously in training like just before this tournament. So she's out. That's a bummer. No Melissa Vargas is a bummer. Uh, I know Li Ying Yang plays for Tianjin, so that's good. We get to see her, but like she can't carry a team to beat a Turkish team. Not, not without Vargas next to her. So... No, I, and and this is on the other side of the world. This is in China. Like the games are at like two a.m. and five a.m. my time. Like I'm just not going to watch this until I watch the replay of the finals. Like that. That's that's it. I just don't care. So trench coats and boomers. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's an annual tradition at this point for us to complain about the club world championship, and nothing's ever going to change. So I think we can honestly move on. But uh, just know that it's happening this week, and watch it if you care. But I don't. Brakai, Brazilian teams dominated this tournament for years because they would host it. And as right. someone else as someone else posted in the chat, you're only allowed to arrive at the tournament one day before, so no you one is any like, idea how much of a difference that makes. It's enormous, right? Yeah, like VNL, like teams will show up like like for VNL Ottawa for week one, teams are showing up like days before, days before. That's the one thing about having week two. We might not have those exhibition games to uh, to go check out uh, beforehand. Yeah, right? that. Which is, a little too, which is a little too bad, but 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 we'll see. But uh, yeah, World Club Championships week. If this is one of your teams, check it out. If you're in the Asian time zone, check it out for sure. Like if if this if this tournament was to be going on in a North American time zone, like it has in the past in Brazil, I would watch it. Even then, this particular field, I probably wouldn't watch it until the until the final. Definitely the final. Definitely the final. Uh, by the way, it's been uh, 11 years since a non-European team has won the Women's Club World Championship. 11 years since the winner hasn't come from Europe. What are we doing? Let's move on. Oh, let's let's move on to real competitive volleyball. That's the Superliga. Uh, there were actually some pretty good matches over the weekend. Perugia versus Padova. That happened weeks ago, so we don't need to talk about that. But we no longer have any undefeated teams in the league because Trentino up a set to none 
up big in the second set. I called it in the Discord. This was going to be a three-dong. I was dead wrong. Modena completely turned it around, and it's Modena of all teams that hand Trentino their first loss of the year. This is a fun match. This was, and I don't know what happened to the Trentino serve receive in this one. They had 14 receive errors, Rob. 14 receive errors. And I don't know how the receive errors actually make. Like, I'm assuming a receive error is like an ace, but also a bad pass that someone touched. I, like, I'm not entirely sure, but because there's maybe only an eight overpass aces. counts. Yeah, eight aces. Oh. But- Eight for aces four, for, oh. but 14 serve reception errors. That doesn't really make sense. But uh, yeah, maybe it's overpasses. However, this has been, if there was one weakness we could point to for Trentino, I think it would be reception. And that that did definitely come up big in this one. Uh, credit to Modena's service pressure. Eight aces to 27 errors. Like 27 errors in four sets is a ridiculously high number. Uh, but they, they were ripping. They were trying to tear the cover off the ball of Vlad Daviskiba especially. And that was kind of the way that they had to try and beat Trentino, and it worked. Yeah, I mean, A, they they served really well, but then they had a very varied and very equal offense. Like, they just spread. Like, this was, this was a really good – this was one of those matches where you remind yourself that, like, oh, yeah, Bruno is still Bruno. Like, he, he might be getting a little bit older. His touch might not be there. He might be a little bit slower to, uh, to get for the ball, but he is still Bruno, and he can still set that butter. I mean, when when you look at who is who is contributing, like seventeen across the board for for all three of their outsides, that's that's awesome. Fantastic. To see. Fantastic. Do you think? Do we think? Like, I've been kind of writing off Modena this season. This doesn't change anything for me, though. Like, this doesn't. <laughs> this this just shows me that they can sh- sh- pick up wins. But I'm not. I, I'm 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 not like looking at this big. Oh, Modena's back in the top four. Like, no, they're still a playoff team, but nothing better than that. I. I'm not as low on Modena as you are. Uh, they, I mean, they lost their starting libero. They lost Sapochkov for a couple weeks there. He's back. They look much better. Uh, so I, th- I think that helps. I, I, I don't know if I see them as the top four team that they usually are, but they're 100% a playoff team on talent alone. And it is nice to see Bruno get really locked in again for a game and to just bring the, the fire and the sort of the Bruno mojo that we saw through most of the 2010s decade. And he was totally back in that form on, on Sunday. Like, without question, he was locked in. He was there, fired up. He looked like old Bruno, and he looked awesome. There is something about that Modena Trento, like a Trento Vaffanculo uh, type <laughs> type of rivalry. I know uh, Tommy was going off in the in the chat on Sunday about it, and I was like, "Come down, it's one win." And he goes, "Doesn't matter, Trento Vaffanculo." And and, <laughs> and 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 I agree with that. I think when you're playing for Modena and you're playing against Trento, there, especially if you're Bruno, like there's just something more on the line. It just gives you uh, that extra pep in your step. Rob, I I do have a question though about this team and. It is really surrounding around Maxim Shaposhkov because I don't know if he's necessarily going to be the prospect that we all thought he was going to be. You know, I, I think the originally the idea, like, you know, he's very good. Don't get me wrong. He he is 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 very good. But where would you rank him in terms of opposite so far this season? In the Super well, well, he's been hurt for half the year. I, I don't think that's it's, true. That's that's true. I don't, I don't think it's fair to assess how well he's playing this season. What it is, what is undoubtable, is that Modena is way, 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 way better when he plays. Hundred percent. And you need like you need Davis Kiva on the left side. Yeah. Uh, instead, instead, instead of having him on the right. 
And I'm uh, happy that Davi Skiba is starting now over Juan Torreira. That that is a no brainer. Davi Skiba, I think, is. I would. I don't know if he's the best player on Mona, but I do think he's actually the most important. I think he's the most well rounded and contributes in every phase. Juan Torreira not even on the roster for this one. He was okay. not. He. Was- available so that'll have to be something to watch out for maybe some of our modena friends kai and uh and uh tommy can let us know what's going on with with want the rain over there uh also no you do not move an opposite to the middle that is not a move that exists unless you're that that maso kid from cuba who's playing on friedrichshafen who's uh, just a true freak athlete like Saposhkov, there's not a chance in the world he could block side to side of the middle position. No, no I way. don't know. He's no not way. a good enough blocker. His swing, he he his swing is a right side swing. For sure. He's you know, like, he's a good opposite, dude. Like we were talking to Steven Marr over the summer in Ottawa, and Marr was like, dude, the angles that this guy creates because he's freaking seven four, like mm-hmm. the, the angles that he can create when he keeps the ball as high as he can are otherworldly and I, I still think that his ceiling is super super high so give it another month of him being healthy and starting consistently and i'll take a look at his numbers and have a better answer for you fair enough fair enough uh the other big one um this past weekend weekend rob um sorry uh verona a big win three two old milan now milan was on a five-game win streak coming into this one Verona is two and six this this season with their only wins coming over Toronto and Catania. So this was a big, big win for for Verona. Not to mention we got to see Namuri Keita for the first time come in. Yes. He came in in that fourth set, guns a blazing, got three straight points before he got absolutely shit slammed. But still, <laughs> like he Keita was really, really good. He went six for eight with a block and, and nine points in like a set, like like yeah. a set Seven of work coming coming in not even a set and a half because he came off the bench in the middle of the fourth and then played the fifth right so like he didn't even have that much time but he was on the right side in place for Amin um, who also had a decent game too so that that was a little bit surprising for me but Verona getting a big win at home and and they needed one this oh. this this win might have might have saved Stoichev's bacon for a little bit <laughs> yeah it did feel like the Verona needed that win desperately this was fun to watch it was great to see Namori Keita back and like back in in exactly the Namori Keita that we really like to see 100%. just high flying banging balls running around celebrating like flapping his wings like an eagle it's it's awesome I, I love to see it so good for him uh good to see Francesco Sani again uh actually came off the bench at outside hitter and put together a pretty good match uh yeah Zabaronek started and was not very good um I, I just think that this was a case of Verona needed this match more they were Verona, at they, yeah they were at and home. He, Keita came off the bench, was a big spark down the stretch. And uh, I'm not worried about Milano. I think they're going to be fine. I, and they weren't bad in this match by any means. Actually, I well, thought Mar- no, Marco Vitelli. No, Ishikawa for, for... No, Ishikawa, uh, good point. Yeah, yeah. He was on the bench and he was available. He was on the roster and he was suited up. But he was like in tracksuit sitting on the bench the entire time. Yeah. Um, and there, there's no doubt that even if you have Kaczynski and want, or Medgarejo out there, Ishikawa is, is is still your guy. Uh, Fair Riegers had a pretty good game. He's still a little bit error prone. He made six or five unforced errors, got blocked three times. Sixteen for thirty nine. They have no problem giving him a lot of volume, but I I actually don't mind that, especially early in the season like this. You let Derlich come in off the bench a little bit, but he was bad. One for seven. I Riegers, he's young. He's still unproven. He needs a little bit of time. Let him swing away. 
Like, I, I'm sure if you're Milano, you would much rather lose a five-setter like this in the first half of the season, let him have a little bit of that growth. And then I'm sure you're confident that that result might might flip on flip itself on its head when it comes to the second half of the season. For sure. And uh, predictably, without Ishikawa, Milano's reception numbers dropped significantly. Uh, so that, that that's not surprising. And I want to give Tio a break because think about when he comes in at a double sub, he's getting the ball from Nicola Zonta. Who is true? Who is far, far worse. True, 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 true. true far, true. far worse at backsetting than even Paulo Poro is. So, uh, also shout out Augustine Loser, nine for thirteen, no errors, and seven stuff blocks. Seven. The guy there is, is awesome. There is one guy. Like, I think the 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 Lozer Landy is is the biggest moniker of of that because there's there's only two other middles in the world that I see who impact the game on a day in and day, like a game in game out basis and do it in so many different ways. And and that's like Robert Landy, David, David Smith and Augustine Lozare. Like it's literally just those three in the world. I'm not necessarily saying that those are the best guys, but like, let's be honest, they, they kind of are, but Lozare always finds ways. Like he serves tough. He's always, he's always there and blocking and offensively. He's so efficient and never, like, never makes any errors there's so many ways for for him to find ways to to help his team and i absolutely love it and how many times rob have we seen over the past two seasons with of, of him at milano uh him being the best player when they lose like it, it is almost yep. a consistent that if milano loses Lozier is going to be their best player yeah and he's like we talked about i remember everett over the summer we were talking about like a play players that you would put film in front of people and like all right this this is the guy do what this guy does. If you're teaching a middle blocker how to block at the at the position, you put low stair film in front of them and say, "Yeah, just do do what this guy does," because he's so good, he's so fundamental, he's so fast, his handwork is phenomenal, and he's uh, I think he's a fantastic model to learn from if you're a middle. So just just love the guy. Shoutouts to him. But Verona did win this match, and I want to give them all the credit that they deserve because uh, they they even passed the ball better than usual. Twenty four percent perfect, fifty percent positive is better than Verona normally passes. And uh, Spirito set a decent game. Even the middle attackers got a couple attempts. Uh, Aiden Zingle, I thought, had an impact. So uh, big win for them. They still should fire out of Steen Stoichev. But big oh, yeah. win for Verona, and I'm excited to see Namori Keita. I hope that he is able to start starting matches here. Verona, and I mean, Milano is, is a team like this as, as well, too, with where they have that depth that they can give different looks. But Verona is very much that. Like there is so many different looks that this team could give. And if they are like, just get a good coach in there. Just get like, I like, there's so many good things. Like the, the, the home atmosphere at Verona matches always seems to be pretty good. Like it it seems to be a nice hall play in. Why not? Let's, let's get it going over there. Yeah. I mean, this was a, this is a match of the two biggest cities in Italy that have super legged teams, which is cool. And the atmosphere kind of the atmosphere brought it. I like that. Uh, Verona Verona does a good job with their in arena production, and the crowd was good, and the energy was high. Just get Stoichev out of there, and you've really got something, you know. Yep, absolutely. Is there anything else you want to talk about uh, this week um, in the Super Lega, Rob? Everything else was all all pretty pedantic. Um, Perugia Padova already happened happened a while ago. The other one are all three ones. Civitanova. Piacenza, Monza, all picking up wins against much lesser teams. Against inferior teams. Yeah, that, that's exactly. I don't have any more to add, but we can look at the standings really quick because uh, now that there are no longer any undefeated teams, it's Perugia at the top of the table. 
they've got Trentino by two points and then a pretty big log jam from like three to six. Even three to seven with, with Milano uh, starting to pick up some points after Poro was hurt the first bit of the year. But uh, Padova is actually in playoff position right now, which is kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, I think now that Verona, after Verona picked up that win and Kata's back, I think you're going to start seeing them kind of climb up the ranks a little bit. Personally, I hope they don't. I hope they suffer a few more losses. We can get Stoichev out of there, get someone good <laughs> in, and then they, they can make it back up. To me, there's a very definitive line between eighth and ninth. For sure. Right? And the only, and like maybe seventh, because Padova and, and Verona are kind of like going like, like, I would expect Verona to pull ahead of Padova and, and Tristerna, but we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, Padova is a good club with that that makes the most out of a lesser budget. Verona is has much more of a budget, much more talent, but an idiot as a head coach. So um, I, I do expect that the, the talent to prevail sooner or later. And yeah, there kind of is a line between eight and nine. Uh, looking at the Lega Volley Feminile, I, I'm annoyed, man, because the the Lega Volley Feminile Instagram used to post these beautiful like score graphics of all the results from their weeks, and they looked really nice for the show. But they've stopped doing that for some reason, so I have to screen grab the the results from the league. Uh, the only matchup that was really good was Scandici beating Novara, and uh, honestly, credit to yeah. it was yesterday. Yeah, it was a, it was a Monday game, so credit to Novara actually for taking a set after getting stomped 25 to 11 in the first. But uh, three points of Scandici and then uh, Firenze beating Chieri in five was the only other kind of notable result this week. It's a little sad what's happened to Navarro. Like they've been such a, a team. Like they've won Champions League in the past decades and they've just slowly they kind of. They had Paolo Egonu on their team when they did that. They did have Paolo Egonu uh, on their team when they did that. You're not wrong. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Interesting, but a bit of a bit of a down week in the in the Super uh, Lega Feminili. Big shout out to Busto getting a nice win over Bergamo, though. I know it, it doesn't really matter in the in the grand scheme of things as as much. Um, and also Fienze taking down Chieri, nice. Yeah, that was cool. Must win for Busto. Bergamo just fired their coach. They're they're struggling. You got got to win that one. Uh, and yeah, good point, Berkai. Thanks. Uh, Akimova, the Novara opposite, was hurt, so she didn't play. Which ah. Uh... Explains a lot, and actually, the fact that Novara took a set makes that even yeah. more impressive. Nice, nice little bounce back there. You get slapped in the first, and you come back hard in the second. Slapped hard in the first. That is, yeah. Uh, those, are, those are looking like Perugia's uh, World Club Championship numbers over there. <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of the women's side, we've got Champions League because last week was week four of Women's Champions League. I wouldn't blame you at all if you didn't watch any of this. I certainly didn't because, like we've talked about, uh, four out of the six weeks of Women's Champions League are probably not going to be very good. And this was one of them. Uh, really nothing interesting here. Uh, Woods needed five sets to beat Promete, which is not great. Everything else was pretty lopsided. Now, however, we are four weeks down with only two to go before the new year, which is crazy. Like we're talking about the calendar speeding everything up to be able to condense everything in 2024. Check out some of the standings here. Group E in Women's Champions League is by far the most interesting. Uh, it's the Le Canet, Alba Blage, and LKS Woods pool. And uh, even Promete from Ukraine is not bad. Like they're they're able to steal some games. Uh, Alba Blage has more points, but less wins than Le Canet, so they're in second. But uh, 
this pool is kind of a bloodbath and might produce that third that one third place team that is going to make it out. So I'm kind of interested in this pool of uh, of how this is going. But I'm I'm looking at the rest of the pools right now. Everything else is chalk. Everything else chalk. is not interesting at all. Like no pool A, Malone, Savakov Bank, obviously. Pool B, yeah. Skandici and Sajbasha. Pool C, Fenerbahce, Woods. I mean, kind of Potsdam too. Pool D, Caneliano, Zhezhov. Like, obviously, there's just no drama anywhere except for Pool E, kind of. And even yeah, then, pool- they might still get three teams out of it. Yeah, well, I mean, I would expect them to get three teams because there's no there's no definitive team who I know is going to win all the games. And no team has won all the games, right? Like, no right. team has, has, has gone perfect. Um I would like to see if it's a little too bad that we, we don't have, like, I would like to see maybe one of the German team get through. I think we've seen that in the past few years, whether it's either Potsdam or, or Stuttgart, but both of them are, are up against some tough battles there in pool C and pool D. I would, I would expect to see Vlodge and Lekanek come through and like to, to, to switch that up. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably. And uh, there, there's, there's two Woods teams, by the way, there's LKS and group E and Budavwani. In Group C, that's where uh, Mac May, the American, is playing there. Uh, Potsdam could catch Budavani Woods in Pool C. That that's that's possible if we're trying to find a place for a German team. But yeah, there's just really it's just not that interesting, man. I wish it was. Yeah. I wish it was more interesting, and, and it will get interesting when it comes to playoff time, like we keep talking about. But uh, right now, it's just not that interesting. Yeah, no, it's not. So I started just reading Burkai's uh, talking about how you don't forget Vargas is going to come back for Fenerbahce, but is I don't know if that's guaranteed. Is she? Right? Yeah, like we we don't we don't totally know that. I don't think, and we don't know if her shoulder is going to be healthy. If she has a torn shoulder like that, like, and you and you're in the Olympics, exactly. If if she's got like a legitimate shoulder issue, and and yeah, you're you're trying to have Turkey do damage to the Olympics. I, I don't know if she should play at all this club season. No. I would, I, and I would assume that Santorelli is telling her the same thing. I would assume that the Turkish Federation uh, is 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 telling her the same thing as well, right? Let let uh, Exasha Basha and let Vakif Bank, where they have foreigners uh, on the opposite, um, go out and, and tire themselves out. You can rest up, Vargas. Three D chess, right there. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundo P. Well, that that will get you in for another good week of of Champions League. Um, do you want to touch at all on the men's? Yeah, this is actually a, a pretty good week of men's Champions League. Uh, we've got a couple bangers. There's actually a, a match starting in about 15 minutes. Uh, Olympiacos taking on Zerot Bank. Uh, so there's a couple Tuesday matches this week. Don't watch Mosaic versus Lube. Do not waste your time. But um, and if uh, Olympiacos doesn't show up, I mean they got three dong by Rusolari last week, so uh, maybe they won't be much of a, of a match for Zerot. But tomorrow, Rasovia versus Trentino. That's a huge Yum one. Me. Very Yum excited. Me. Very excited about that. Very excited to see what sort of fight uh, Lundberg can put up against JSW. I'm actually pretty excited for Piacenza versus Berlin. That could be a low key good game. Uh, Zaxa versus Nakru Solare. I mean, we'll talk about Zaxa in a bit, but they are they are big time struggling right now, and that's kind of a trap Struggle game bust. in Belgium. And. Hawkbank versus, versus Benfica on Thursday. Hawkbank, it's it's in it's in Ankara, but just flying just flying back from India, taking on a Benfica team who is feisty. Uh, that could be a little bit interesting. So I kind I kind of like this week on the men's side. 
Well, I might have to go check B at bet three sixty five and see what that spread on the Rose Lair Zaxa game is because that could be a big upset. There could be some serious value if you wanted to bet Rusolari there because, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm seeing from Zaxa right now, man. We'll talk about yeah. him in a bit in the Plus Liga. Also, uh, Milano and uh, Pauk Tesmaliki going uh, going down today in the CEV Cup. That's going to be live on the CEV uh, uh, YouTube channel. At oh, it 1 is. PM, 1 p.m. Eastern time, yeah. How about that? Uh, that is tomorrow, if, I, if I'm looking at it correctly. No. Yeah. Oh, yes, sorry. It is tomorrow. It, it is tomorrow. I, I, I apologize. Um, uh, we've, yeah, we've got CEV Cup. There's, there's some games today. Uh, Claudno from the Czech Republic is a good club playing uh, not from France. Uh, Arcus Izmir versus Karlovarsko. That's next week, but that's a decent game. Uh, that's uh, Thursday and then also next week. Uh, Xavier is playing some nobody. Yeah, uh, the CV Cup is kind of interesting. I just hope that they CV like figures it out and actually broadcasts some of the more decent games in that tournament. Probably not, though. Probably not, though. Probably, probably not. Yeah, men's champions league this week will be good. Uh, getting the volleyball source Discord, we'll be talking about it. Uh, Olympiakos versus Yard Bank in Greece, Greek home crowd. That starts in about fifteen minutes. So, are you uh, still are you still a believer of this Olympiakos team, Rob? Believer? No, I mean I didn't I didn't ever think that they could beat Zirat or Zaxa, but I think that they are competitive, and I hope that there's some crazy greek weirdness in the home arena today just because i think it's funny we could have a serious like if rosalaire is able to beat uh zaxa today that could provide like them like have them slip into that uh that extra third place team that's possible i'm i'm still not going to pick against zaxa against the belgian team but i think it's going to be kind of interesting in belgium i'm i may throw a bet down on that one Oh yeah, yeah. Just, just, just for the, just for the sake of it. Fair enough. Uh, so we'll talk about the Plus League in a second. Uh, but before we do that, a uh, couple, couple important things to talk about. The first is uh, thatvolleyballstore.com. Remember the new URL, thatvolleyballstore.com. Everett, tell the people. Absolutely. Head over to thatvolleyballstore.com. It's where you can get all of our merch, including the the new Where's Daddy line. That one might have been the most like successful ever. Like. You guys, you guys really showed up to pick that one up, so we really appreciate you. Um, yeah, head over to that volleyball dot or vo- that volleyball store dot com. Um, they made me change; they didn't make me, but to renew that volleyball dot store was going to be like over a hundred dollars, and it cost me twelve dollars for that dot volleyball store dot com. So I was like, "This is a no brainer." We're going to switch up, switch up the the URL uh, for that. That's where you can get all of our. Best gear. We got the nine by nine square. We've got the Where's Daddy shirts. All of our uh, best nine by nine stuff. So head over to the store and uh, go over and check that out. And of course, as we mentioned, our favorite, new favorite shirt is the Where's Daddy shirt. And Rob, where was Daddy last week? Let, let us know where was Daddy last week. Uh, our favorite segment uh, where we hide Daddy Stankovich. Our, our absolute hero. We hide him somewhere in the show, and you guys all try and find Daddy. Uh, last week, we were talking about the Club World Championship, the men. And uh, this was a very hard one. Daddy was very small and pretty well concealed here. We can zoom in for you. Bang, there he is, inside the Sato Crucero logo. So uh, only a couple of you found Daddy this time. Uh, our guy, Gabriel Brinchman. 
uh, a new name. He found daddy. And then a comment that I thought was really funny. Uh, Asin Moto said, I saw the pinnacle of man in the Sada Crucero logo. <laughs> <laughs> so I like that. Yeah, you, you understand what we're doing here. So that, that was where Daddy Stankovich was. He is hidden somewhere in this show as well. If you find him, make sure you wait until the show is the live stream is over. Comment in the main YouTube comment section with a timestamp of where Daddy Stankovich is, and you can get a shout out on next week's show. So that's our favorite segment. Uh, celebrate our 100th episode by going to thatvolleyballstore.com and picking up some Daddy Stankovich merch. Um, real quick, Rob, just it's interesting that Olympiacos is hosting that game today. Their soccer club has been forbidden to play with fans for the next two months because of <laughs> clashes with, with, with police. So this is just like, I, I have friends who have created in stuff. <laughs> Dude, I have friends who have played in the Greek League, and they're like, oh, yeah, like Olympiakos versus um, um, Panathinaikos. Like, it's two clubs that really hate each other. Like, you're going back to serve, and they're flicking, like, cigarettes and joints and stuff at you. Like, it is that – like, Greece is not an easy place to play. It's beautiful, but it's not easy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's that's chaos. But, but no, let's, let's be honest. Uh, Alafia, um, volleyball – no one cares about volleyball enough to get into – like clashes with the police no. you know like i feel like if there was anywhere that happened people would just laugh at at the volleyball fans like who cares <laughs> sad but it's, true it, it, it is it is fully true like no one no one cares about volleyball enough um to to, to go that off on it to, to to riot in in that way all right, let's move on. Let's talk about Poland. I think we should spend a bit of time on the Plus Liga here because it was a fun weekend. And once again, another previously undefeated team loses. It's actually we a match no between more undefeated teams. No though. more undefeated teams. That Yashemski uh, and Warszawa at the top of the table. Uh, both of them now 10 and 1 after a 3 to 1 Warszawa win on Sunday. This was a very fun match to watch. Yashemski destroyed them in the second set. It wasn't even close. It was like 25-11 or 12 or, or something like that. That was an absolute beatdown. Let me look. 25-11, not even close. Vershava ended up pulling a lot of the guys and kind of punting the set. But then they came back with a vengeance. One set's three and four. Even Linus Faber got in and had an impact. This was a very, very fun, high-level game. This is a really interesting game, especially when you look at the stat sheet there. Like, Weber doesn't start any of the sets, scores 10 points. Yeah. He's only one of two players to get into the double digits. But you have nine players sit, or sorry, three players sitting with nine points um, uh, uh, for uh, Vashava. I think this was this was a statement win by Vashava. This is, this is a, hey, we're here and we're ready to go. We're going to go toe-to-toe with you with with one of or the best team in the league and we could take it down because Vershava has been a very much a team that has been looking to gain a little bit of of notoriety over the past like little while uh in Polish volleyball and I love the fact that that they're doing it and just making things a, a little bit spicy very spicy uh cuz like like you said Arthur Schalpuk was basically the only complete or remotely complete player for Vershava this game. And even his numbers weren't that good, like t- 10 for 28, 7% efficiency. But yeah, he, he put up double digits. Weber was this... very good off the bench, but Bolange wasn't very good. Tilly wasn't very good. Uh, the middles were good. But like th- this was like a scrappy, gritty, like figure it out kind of game. And Vershava yeah, you... 
and ends up beating beating JSW somehow, even though Norbert Huber blocked eleven balls. Eleven blocks. That's crazy. Look at look at the hitting and efficiency numbers though, Rob. Thirty forty percent hitting, twenty-three percent efficiency for JW. 36% hitting and 10% efficiency for Vershava. And they Those won. are some of the worst <laughs> that's some of the worst numbers I've seen all year long. Like Shalpuk was only 7% efficient. He was 10 for 28. That is really bad. This might be after the game this might be be happy be one of those games that I go back and watch if I can find it because it's plus league games just because it looks like it was so sloppy. So 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 sloppy. It was fun. It was kind of a rock fight, which is which is a type of game that I like to watch. Uh, Jean Patry was bad. Uh, Ryan Slater off the bench, not a whole lot better. Tomas Fornal wasn't wasn't overwhelmingly good. Uh, we even saw some Marco Selichek, which is not a good sign for JSW. Like yeah, just a just a wacky game of uh, what it turns out are the are the two top teams in the Plus League table. But uh, good for Vershava, and they didn't even use Taylor Avor yet. Still working him into the mix, although uh, Yuri Semenyuk and Andre Verona were both pretty good in the middle. Both uh, the older yeah. guys. I, I honestly want to go back and watch this one because just looking at the stat sheet and not looking at the score, I would have thought that JW won. Mm-hmm. Like they out hit them, they out dug them. Um, did they out serve them? Still, uh, think about it though, very inflated by a, a beat down in set two. That, that definitely in, that inflated JSW's numbers a good bit and like probably deflated for Shava's numbers and they ended up pulling some guys. So got to keep that in mind. JW has been the number one team in Poland now for, for a while, Rob, this season, they're still number one, even though I've lost. Do we think that they're the consensus number one? No, like, no, not at all. No. I, I, would, I would fully agree with that. No, especially when you're considering the fact that the position that Zox has started the season in, you know, and like that, they, they could be a team that, that goes in, but like this, this league goes deep. This league goes deep deep right now super deep there there are way more teams i love it too there are way more teams that could win the plus liga than there are teams that could win the super liga like i I think that there are two maybe three teams that could could win the super liga i think there are five teams that could win the plus liga like legit never count out zaxa jsw has won two out of the last three years for is clearly legitimate Rosovia is very talented, and I still think that Xavierce is actually the best team in the league. So there are five legitimate teams at the top of the Plus Liga, and it's sick. They're all playing great ball. They're all playing all the time. Most of them are playing, actually, all five of them are playing Europe, European competition in some way. And uh, it's just very, very fun. It's great. The Plus Liga is awesome. Might might have to start uh, promoting it as the best league, Rob. We, we, we might be at the point. Not quite yet. The bad teams but, are still like, really hey, bad. The bad, bad. the bad team. Are they though? Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, we'll, what, what are we talking about? Like, we'll, we'll we'll touch on it in a second. Redom, who's the worst team in the league, just picked up some of their first, like their third point of the season by taking by almost beating Rosovia. Uh, but before we talk about that, I do want to talk about Gdansk three donging the corpse of Zaxa. And I won't even <laughs> call this Zaxa because there's no way. There's no way you can call this Zaxa when you look who showed up for this game and who was on the roster for they this game. They only dressed like, 10 guys. They only, yeah. They, Crazy. I, 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 like, the first time I opened up this this uh, stat sheet, Rob, I literally like pressed on it and I was like, oh, it just didn't load again. So I like refreshed it and I refreshed it a couple of times. No, that 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 is not the case. Um, We had Kluth as their 
leading hitter in this one with, with 16 points. We did see Martian Janus, who started the match, but then came off the bench, and then we, we never saw him again. Um, Radislav Gil uh, started the second and the third. Uh, Takvam was in the middle uh, as well. Um, no David Smith, no Bartosz Bednors. Slivka was really the only guy, um, and he was passing terribly. Yeah, really one. bad. And, and, didn't, and didn't hit well either. 10 for 24, 28% efficiency. His passing, 31% positive, 0% perfect, while getting aced three times. Um, but on the other side of the net, Gdansk just coming through with a solid game. Uh, Saviki, 21 points. Yeah, really dude. nice match from him. Mikawai Savitsky is having himself a really, really good year. I like that outside duo a lot. He's like a big, high flyer, heavy arm sort of guy. And across from is Jan Martinez, the little Argentinian mm-hmm. who just like chisels people and passes the ball. And I, I like that team well. That they, uh, they haven't even really been needing Lucas Campa. And then Kevin Sasak, their opposite. I think he played in like the Czech Republic or something last year. Yeah, back in Poland, he's having a good year. I mean, he, uh, 18 points this one he was okay efficiency wise but uh like Gdansk after last year losing Bolanch and losing Luke Perry uh are way better way higher in the standings and just playing better ball than I thought that they would be so good for them yeah this is this is a very good win um and I'm also happy that they just took it in three like that's like I think Gdansk is one of those teams that they are always ready to pounce and always ready to make you pay um like and they, they were they were in control i mean 20 20 21 like that, so i mean that sure. i would expect them to be in control yeah when you, when you look at um, the rosters that that both of these teams brought out and like this this Gdansk roster is still very good like i would just say i would say that they are just on the outside of the top five you know i would put Gdansk, lublin and olshtin kind of in that next tier of of plus liga teams and they're all sitting there with the same record Pretty much seven four seven four six and four for pretty for much. Olsen. And then look at the standings, man. Zaxa in eighth, and that's not gonna. No, that any, won't last long. It won't last, but it's not going to get any easier for them either because, like, you can't really take any days. I mean, clearly you can't take days off in the Plus League because they just tried to and they got three dong by Gdansk. Now this week, definitely no easier. They play Champions League tomorrow, and then they play Vershava on I think Friday. Maybe Saturday, Saturday, Friday. It's uh, um, it's the bottom of the battle of the bottom between Vadom and Katowice. that's a, that's a gross game. <laughs> yeah, uh, Zoxa, Saturday, Zaxa versus Warsaw Saturday. Like that's that's a must watch game. That's gonna be two forty five p.m. Poland time. Yeah, so that is gonna be early. That's gonna be an early morning. I do have to work Friday night though, not too late. So. Maybe I'll be able to come back for, or maybe I'll be able to wake up in time for that one. Yeah, Olshin um, versus Lublin Sunday is a pretty good game as well. That that will also be Lublin has been was been has been pretty solid this season. Yep. And I mean it's it's kind of to be expected, um, but uh, yeah, Lublin Lublin has been pretty solid. They went on that nice run last year, but they've picked it continued. They actually got a nice win over uh, Stalnisa yesterday, three one. Our friend Michal in the chat says 8,900 spectators in Gdansk for the Zaxa game. That's awesome. That, awesome. Absolutely. Love to absolutely see Absolutely love that. It's a beautiful an, arena to see full, too. It, it is a great arena. And, and that, that, man, that's an incredible number for a regular season game. Very impressive. Is that the best arena we have in volleyball? 
Ooh, I still think the Maracanazinho in Brazil would would, um, would would give it a run when when you pack it. But uh, the Ergo Arena, no, is the Ergo Arena the Krakow one, or is that the the? No, Ergo Arena is Gdansk for sure. That's the Gdansk one. It's the, okay. it's the big. It's the big one with like the big pillar in the corner that they yeah, wrap. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, yeah, huge, yeah. huge, huge fan of. The, of uh, hosting events in Gdansk. It's, it's definitely rumored that the VNL final for the men are going back to Poland again. It would be crazy not to have it there. So, uh, yeah, good for the Plus Liga. Everett, you mentioned uh, Rosovia needing five to beat Charney Rodham. You said you watched some of this one, yeah? I did. I did watch some of this one. It was, you know, I was out and about doing some things yesterday, got home. I actually went to go do my prep for today's show, and then I saw that it was in the middle of it. And Radom going to five, um, with Rosovia. Now, Rosovia didn't have TJ DeFalco, and for me, that, this, this team is way different without TJ DeFalco. For they sure. don't have an attitude. They don't have that chip on their shoulder. They don't have a player to just kind of shovel it to, um, and, and he's going he's gonna to figure it out. Like Obviously, Boye had to lead the way for them. He was he was pretty good. He had, he had 29 points, but Very good. it was actually Aquaman uh, leading the way in this one, 30 points. Uh, for Radom, he went 24 for 43, 42% efficiency though. He only got, he, he got made one force error and got blocked five times. Of course, that that's to be expected from Aquaman. He is still watching him on the, like, he's still, he, he looks like a high school volleyball player, right? <laughs> like he doesn't wear like the full, he doesn't wear full ankle socks, but he doesn't wear full high socks. His shorts are a little bit, are a little bit uh, longer than, than most players. He's got like the long hair. he, bunches his jersey up like an old school like a high school player too like he just doesn't look like he should be a high level volleyball player but he but absolutely he is. is um yeah Rosovia without without uh, uh tj was was struggling quite a bit brody hofer was really good in this one he dropped 20 he was really good in the fifth set 13 for for 28 uh for the young canadian i do think Rosovia was 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 pretty much in the lead in the in the fifth they they really took it in but then there was a three-point run for Radom where they really started to come back, and they they cut that lead to two. And then there was a play where Drizga was pretty much on the other side of the net. He fell over the center line, had put bo- both of his hands across the center line. He bumped the middle player, so the middle player had to back off. No call on the play. They gave the the point to Rosovia. Brody actually ended up po- po- putting it out. When they did the replay, Rob, you could clearly see him bump the middle. The middle moves back, and then they freeze-framed it where he's sitting with two hands on the other side of the court where the middle player is, like, backed up, and they, like, said no touch. And they went on, and then, of course, Redom's coach. I think that if that hadn't happened, there was a potential for Redom to come back. Maybe. I think it's, like, it's a little bit. But it was a terrible call uh, by the Plus Liga. And, like, it was like the same thing that's happening in the NFL and the NBA now uh, where you do the video and the video clearly shows that something was wrong and then they're just freeze-framing the wrong points. Just too many trench coats and boomers out here who don't know te- technology. Um, but as, as our, our, all of our Radom fans in the chat were saying, like good one point for Radom because they are coming up to a massive match against Katowice uh, this Friday. That is the bottom, a battle of the bottom in the Plus Liga. Both teams with three points. Both teams sitting at one in ten. We'll have to see how uh, how it goes. You know, I love a relegation race, Everett. <laughs> you do uh, love. You I do love, love a relegation. I race. love a relegation race. Uh, yeah, I hate that center line call. I hate that it's only about 
where your feet are and not like where the rest of your body is or if you're interfering like if you tackle an opposing player but your feet are still on your side that should obviously be a violation very like stupid at, 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 at if at any point the opposing team player needs to change what he's doing even if it's a step back it, it should be called differently for sure just absolutely terrible uh and yes kenny diaper i did steal trench coats and boomers from you uh i thought that was funny when you said it in the <laughs> chat earlier so uh, uh, i decided to jump into it rob looking forward we we talked about some of the matches um this weekend also um yeah katavici against radom on friday saturday should be a pretty good one zoxa versus vashava just jw versus valky Chestova versus cooper and lubin whatever yeah. um versus Scraw has some upset potentials sometimes. Scraw got a good win recently. So, um, Gdansk versus uh, Nisa on Sunday, and then Monday we've got Rosovia versus Lviv. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if uh, Defalco's back for that one. Lviv just actually picked up a nice little win. Polonski, Polonski keeps on picking up those MVPs, baby. Polonski's awesome. Yeah, I, I figured that Rosovia against Radom probably rested TJ Defalco because they're about to play Trentino tomorrow in Champions League. So yeah, that would that, make sense. That certainly makes sense. Uh, very, very, very excited for Rosovia versus Trentino tomorrow. That's going to be a banger. I hope so. I, I, I really hope so. Yeah, me too. Uh, so that's it for the Plus League. Uh, I, honestly, that that's all I have on the list for Europe, Everett, because we got to we got sp- to spend a little time on North America. This show the, we got we got to spend some time in the United States. Yeah, um, which we don't necessarily do a lot, but there's a lot of stuff going on. First and foremost, we have to have to um, talk about the NCAA tournament. The semifinals are set. The final four is set. Um, also, big big shout out to our boy uh, from the Discord, Steve Choi, um, who is actually organizing. He's actually getting uh, a bar in Montreal to play the games on TV. Oh, I love that. And he's promoting a bunch of people to come in to Montreal to watch the game. So I, I, I absolutely love that. Big, big shout out to him. Um, but man, I will have to say one thing that I love in the NCAA basketball tournament that lacks in the NCAA tournament is the what is going to happen factor, right? You never, like, you never ever see the number one seeds make it to the final four. And it's so rare. You always see the number one seeds in women's volleyball make it to the final four right and don't get me wrong these are the best teams in the country like absolutely hands down they deserve to be there but it 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 is somewhat anticlimactic when wisconsin and nebraska and Pitt and texas constantly make the final four so i I wanted to bring this up so i had a very good time watching ncaa women's last week there were eight matches on thursday there were four matches on saturday it was all very good ball I have a few thoughts I wanted to get to, but the first one is that I, uh, so here this year we have three of the four number one seeds making it to the final four. Uh, Texas is a number two seed. They beat Stanford in Stanford. Uh, they're the reigning champions. They're certainly they were always going to be very good, and we're going to be a tough out. I don't think that the number one seed should be getting this gigantic advantage of playing at home the entire tournament. The entire tournament. The entire tournament. I do not think it's good for the competitive balance of the tournament. Like you said, the 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 the, the likelihood of being able to beat a number one seeded team is hard enough anyway. But to have to do it on their home floor is practically impossible. 
I, I don't think it's good for the competitive balance of the tournament to allow the number one seeds to host in the round of 16 and the round of eight. Like mm-hmm. the preliminary rounds, fine. Like that one I don't care about. But it's just such a gigantic advantage to let them host, like to, to give them the boost of home court advantage against the, the, the first good opponents they're seeing in the tournament or maybe all season. Like Nebraska didn't get pushed even at all the first three matches of this tournament at home. Huge credit to Arkansas, by the way. I was very impressed by Arkansas. They beat Kentucky. Yeah. They beat Kentucky in five in their Sweet 16, and they they took a set from Nebraska in Lincoln in the Elite Eight. But like a, a team like Arkansas, who's very good, the, I think that they could maybe beat Nebraska on a neutral floor. But in Lincoln, mm. no way, no way. Same thing with Louisville over Pittsburgh. Louisville was up two sets to none. Like Pittsburgh had to come back in, in a pretty crazy reverse sweep, and I think Louisville wins that match if it's on a neutral floor. I, I just don't know if I agree with the, the the massive advantage that we're giving to already the best teams in the tournament by letting them play at home. Do you? So does the NCAA for basketball? Do they do it like a neutral site? The entire tournament is neutral site in basketball. The entire okay. tournament. Do we think the interest is there nationwide? Now, it was just announced this week that the viewership for the NCAA is up like 56% this year. This is the best season ever for NCAA women's volleyball. Massive numbers, like over 100,000 a game on ESPN, which is which is huge, right? Like that that can't be understated. Does women's volleyball have the draw in the states that you can do independent sites through the elite eight like maybe not the first round but in that that second round uh, that second weekend do you have the ability to go for independent sites i don't know uh because you're right you would need four different sites i think you would have to be very careful about where you picked so that you had a a good likelihood of putting butts and seats in the crowd because that uh, that's obviously a factor in, in trying to recuperate the the financial loss of putting on those events is if, if you're able to sell several thousand tickets that that obviously helps and these all four home crowds at, at, at these games other than kind of Stanford that that's uh, less less of a great atmosphere but like Pitt Nebraska and Wisconsin when those three teams were playing at home they there were 10,000 people in, in yeah. those arenas which is amazing so you're gonna have to if you're going to do neutral sites, you're going to have to find places where people are going to show up. And I think you that... would need you would need a Big Ten esque site, like somewhere right. in the Northeast, somewhere in the Midwest, somewhere in that area. You would need a Texas site, right? With For like sure. with the amount of with the amount of Texas teams, I think you would need an SEC type site with with the amount of teams going down in in Georgia and in, in Kentucky and, and Florida and stuff like that. And then another one is random, probably end up being California. Just because you know that the the the, the crowds will show up to, to to California events, like in in my opinion, anyways. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm still not sure. Even as successful as NCAA women's ball is right now, that if you put a neutral site, like let's say it's in Chicago, let, let's let, let's put one of them in Chicago where we don't directly have a, a, a team because Northwestern is God knows they're not very good. Uh, even even like the all the all the Big Ten alumni that live in Chicago, like all the Wisconsin and Nebraska people that live here, would they go to that game? I'm honestly not sure. I'm honestly not sure. So maybe it's still a couple years away from being able to put uh, 
like ha have the resources to put to put neutral site games for the sweet 16 elite eight but speaking of resources my other huge complaint about the ncaa tournament the challenge system is so bad oh let's let's hear it let's, let's open this up so I'm just, I'm just bad it's so bad the challenge system in ncaa women's volleyball in the ncaa tournament is so bad that it would be better to not even have one they can't even get ball in out calls on the sideline correct there was a huge call in the louisville creighton five setter in the sweet 16 in the fifth set that, that should have been five to four with creighton serving it should have been creighton serving four to five instead it was louisville serving six to three in the fifth which is a massive difference because they couldn't get a ball in or out call correct they don't even have the camera equipment to get a sideline. Not to mention block touches. If you want to challenge a block touch, absolutely no chance. There is no way you're good or you were ever getting anything overturned on a block touch challenge in the NCAA tournament. The camera quality is so bad. And the officials have no idea what they're doing with the technology. They have no idea what they're looking at. Every review takes like 10 minutes. It completely like brick wall train stops the momentum of a game. It is painful. It is so bad that you have no chance of getting any, anything overturned. You, you you might as well not even have a challenge system. It's so bad for the product and for the quality of volleyball that's going on otherwise to have a challenge system with cameras from the year 2005. It's crazy to me that we can't figure this out. It's crazy. It doesn't even have to be like the Bolt 6 or Hawkeye or whatever that Volleyball World has been using or whatever the CEV uses. This is not that hard. You need like four cameras on one on each line and like basically three cameras looking at the net. Everett, it, I've seen Everett at being at events with his phone <laughs> following along to plays with Everett's iPhone where we're able to definitively see block touches on an iPhone camera. Get one talented human being following the ball and you have every like conclusive replay that you'll ever need. Why can't we figure this out? NCAA, if you need me for this weekend, I am available. Um, my my fee is it's going to be fifteen hundred a day, which really isn't that that inexpensive, of course. But it's really not that expensive. Uh, but you you know what, Rob, you're right. <laughs> the uh, first point challenge last year in Austin, Texas, I was filming clips on the sideline and was able to go into my camera roll and slow it down and find the touches and the in outs before the uh, before the volleyball world guys were. Um, so the fact and that v the NCAA, VNL, too. VNL you, you were doing the same thing. It was easy. It was crazy. It's easy. I, I, I just, I, I still don't, get it. still don't get it. My favorite one is when, uh, the XFL was, it was showed up a couple years ago and they were able to do repays perfectly fine because you had someone who was under the age of 80 running it. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it, it was pretty good. Um, it is a too bad that that's what's happening at the NCAA women's volleyball tournament. You know, is, is 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 just like this is the pinnacle of our sport in North America, and it should like I've talked about about it for the past two weeks about how this is the best, the best of the best. Like this is the best to watch. It's it's the best of experience. So I haven't been able to consume it because it's strictly for I could, but I would have to spend. It is technically on TSN. If you're a Canadian fan and you want to watch the NCAA, I may see if I can get some kind of free free thing going on for this weekend because it is on tsn plus but it's an it's an added payment so for our canadian fans who want to watch this weekend, it is very tough to watch outside of the states i know there have been a lot of people struggling with it which is a shame because uh, 
they're especially with so many non-american players very prominently featured in ncaa volleyball men's and women's it's a shame that people from outside the united states aren't really able to watch but for all the complaining that i'm doing these matches have been awesome these have been really 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 good games all eight matches on on thursday like in that round of 16 i'd say like six of the eight were incredibly fun to watch there were, there were a lot of competitive balance, a lot of back and forth, uh, not very many three zeros. It was nice. Like in, in the round of eight on Saturday, there were no sweeps. That's awesome. Love that. Love that. That, that. That's that's fantastic. Just competitive ball across the board. But for as good as this product is, there are so many easy fixes to make it better. So many easy fixes. I would I would fully agree, agree there, Rob. But uh, um, let's touch on a little bit of of what's going to come up this weekend um we have oh i've got the i've got the 2023 bra- bracket up when i want the 20 oh, this, oh this no no i was I, yeah i'm 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 just stupid uh nebraska versus Pitt, wisconsin versus texas are we just expecting a wisconsin versus nebraska final here is that what we're expecting I'm definitely expecting nebraska to beat Pitt because i think they're very similar uh they're both young they're both they both have a uh, pretty good arm talent on the wings. Uh, Nebraska is way better in first contact and block defense. And I think their transition game is probably the best in the country with like mostly freshmen there. It's insane how talented they are. Wisconsin, Texas on the other side, I think is actually going to be very competitive because uh, Wisconsin might be the best blocking team in NCAA history. It's crazy how many balls they block per game. It's like demoralizing. Uh, the, the match they played against Penn State on Thursday, they blocked... I, I, I should have I looked up the number before the game, but while I was watching it, they had 17 blocks in less than four sets. Like It was, it, it was an outrageous number of stuff blocks that they have. Obviously, Anna Schmeck, the Canadian being six foot nine, helps. Uh, but te- te- Texas, as the reigning champions, and they have a lot of firepower and physicality, and Maddie Skinner is their best out-of-system attacker by far. That that match could be very good. I I wouldn't be surprised if Nebraska beat Pitt three to zero, but I I would also not be surprised if if Wisconsin versus Texas went five. I think that match okay. could be very good. I will pick Wisconsin because I really really want to see Nebraska Wisconsin in the final, all Big Ten final. They've split the two previous games this year. That would be so much fun. So, Rob, my, my other question for you, since you're much more involved in the NCAA than I am, you've worked with a Big Ten school. You went to a Big Ten school, worked with a Big Ten school. I do think that having that home advantage in the tournament is a consistent thing. Yet, are we just not at the point in women's volleyball where there's that many elite teams that there's some... Because like we see the same teams over and over again. And uh, while I do think that home court advantage makes a difference in the tournament, you need to get that home court advantage. And it's always the same teams getting the home court advantage. So do we just see that, you know, the top programs have the monopoly on best players? Are they just like, like, why is it that, you know, despite how popular women's volleyball is in the States, how big it's been growing, we're still seeing the same teams at the top all the time. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of the nature of NCAA sports. That's what happens in every sport at the NCAA is the best programs continue to recruit and develop the best athletes. And it's basically like a rich get richer situation. Now, there's not the money in 
volleyball or like a lacrosse men's is a good example or soccer or whatever that uh, that there is in football and men's basketball but even still like the best university programs are always going to be the best because they're able to re- pull and attract the best talent that's no surprise Pitt is a road yeah, but like uh- but in like the basketball, basketball, like you don't see like even if Kentucky's the best program, like they don't make it to the Final Four, of the Elite right. every, Eight that, every year. You're like that's because of the magic of the parody of of a sixty four team single elimination tournament when there's chaos and neutral. I think neutral site definitely is a factor, but there, there's I, there also there's a lot more weird random variance in basketball. Volleyball is you there there is definitely a drop off in the elite caliber of athlete in with in women's volleyball past like the top five teams especially on the wings and especially the i think i think there's a big drop off in setters after the after the top like eight or ten in women's volleyball and the the ability to actually score points out of system like to take legitimate point scoring out of system swings is something that very very few teams have there are just aren't that many teams that hit over 150 efficiency out of system in college volleyball and that's because there just aren't that many athletes that can do that and those athletes go to the same teams every year okay fair enough well that's also the substitution thing like 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 Mm. worth it's 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 actually kind of worth talking about while we're talking about the product I, i want tell the people again everett why you think 15 substitutions and the libero can serve why do you why do you like that so much it just pro- it. it prolongs rallies. It, it it gives you for more game. You get people in in there. Like I think the way indoor volleyball is going, we should go go more towards football, where we have dedicated, like highly highly specialized people. Right? Like we already have that for for so much of the game. Why why bring it through? Like also like when you're looking at this, like if you're looking to a five setter, how many times is does is the worst ball seen in a five setter? Because teams are just and players are gassed. Right? Like. There's there's so much playing time. Like while you don't necessarily exude as energy in volleyball, like, you may have to play longer than other sports when you're looking at like basketball or or, or football or stuff like that. I love the substitution rule. I love bringing in defensive specialists. I think it prolongs the game. I think it prolongs rallies. I think it brings more athletes into the game. Right? Like how many times? Like like we had we there, there was for in Canada for a little bit. We had Tabby Love. She was six foot five. She went to UCLA. She was a player of the year. Like she was a first team All American, but she couldn't really do anything on the national team because she hadn't passed. Right, and I, I like, I would much rather see an athletic player who's five eleven than an unathletic player who's six five play volleyball. Right. And then that, and that's just me. So I think once you bring in those more substitutions, you bring in more variance. You, you don't have that scaredness of like, if I sub this person in, I have to bring the, you know, like it just adds for a little bit more variety to the game. And, and, and I absolutely love it. There's way more technicality to it. And then there's way more athleticism in the game as well. I think you made, you made my point for me that you're all of us you're you're the system here with 15 substitutions and no limits on like bringing people off the bench and middle blockers don't have to serve because the libero can you're creating worse national team level players but that's what that's what i'm saying is that if the national team if the fivb if volleyball as a whole adopt these rules just for indoor volleyball then that wouldn't be the problem i think the ncaa as we've talked about it gives the best product and i 100 percent think that's due due to some of the rules that they have in place I, I compared, think... to, compared to all of international volleyball 
I just right? like I, we, I, we have beach volleyball for if you want to be an uh, over round player. Let's bring in grass volleyball to the Olympics. Let's get these other over round. Oh, 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 I know, I know you agree, uh, agree with that. Yeah. Let's bring in grass volleyball to the Olympics. I think that would be absolutely electric. Like think think of the venues that you could have for grass volleyball too. Yeah. Now it would be difficult with with wind and and rain and stuff like that. Then you start getting dangerous. But still, I think that we should move indoor volleyball to a more specialized place. I don't right, like I, right, I, I, right, I, like if international if that was the standard at international volleyball, like you guys would be golden, right? We already are. We, well, well, not not, not, on, not so much this past year. Not not on the women's side. Yeah, the 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 lack of well-roundedness on the women's side for the U S women, I think is a problem in international ball, but I do agree. Get grass volleyball three on three in the Olympics, get snow volleyball three on three in the winter Olympics. Why, why three on three and not four on four? Three on three is awesome. It's, well, uh, why? That's, whenever I ask you this question, that's always just your answer. Well, three on three is awesome. That's well, great. Well, because, why? Cause uh, <laughs> you have you, cause you only have one-on-ones everywhere blocking and attacking wise. And uh, the side out rates are extremely high, but there's actually options to set on your offense. And with with fours, the like I, I've I've played grass fours there a little bit. There's not as much of a system for it here in Chicago. It's fun, but three on three is faster. It's uh, you need to be more well rounded, a little bit more like a beach player. And I think there's more ways to play it, and there's more different ways that you can score. Uh, maybe if like if four on four was a bigger deal, if there were like higher level tournaments that played it, then I'm sure people would figure it out and make it fun. But uh, I think three on three is very nicely established. Like the the out of system kids, like the the Worsleys and Micah Ma'a, mm-hmm. could go win Olympic gold in that right now, and it would be awesome. I they're, mean, I'm, t- I'm telling you, they're 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 that good. But like even like the snow volleyball thing that they've played a little bit, I think they're I think the Winter Olympics needs much more team sports. I think that would be a great option there too. Anyway, we're we're way off topic here. Yeah, no, I I, yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. Um, NCAA Final Four uh, semifinals are going down. When is that? Thursday. Thursday, uh, Thursday at seven p.m. Eastern, nine thirty p.m. Eastern. Those are going to be going down on Tampa, and then the finals are actually going to be on Sunday afternoon. Sunday on so. ABC, which is like our one of our biggest like national broadcasting channels, which is amazing, but. You're competing with the NFL. Why would you schedule it on a Sunday afternoon in December? That's, 100%. That's the worst idea, worst idea for right, your viewership. The reason, why Rob, as, the, the reason why it's done so well the past couple of years is because you put it on Saturday night. Saturday night after college football is over. And right now, there is nothing happening on Saturday night in American sports. There is everything in the world happening on Sunday afternoon in American sports. Like they're gonna take a hit on viewership this year because they moved it to Sunday afternoon. That that, that was definitely a mistake. And I'll obviously like, be tuning in, but like the the, the rest how? of America, the everyone else in America will be will choose the NFL over women's volleyball. Yeah, for sure. Is there like a streaming option for ABC or no? Probably because ABC and ESPN are the same parent company, so it'll probably be like viewable on espn's streaming platform but I, mm. I i don't know about outside of the u.s i really have no idea okay well we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have to see that's gonna be interesting because otherwise i think this would be the most viewed ncaa final like it's, i still think it could be but 
you're you're really fighting for TV space. At least if it was, I really hope it's streamed because then you could put it on the laptop and you can watch the football on the TV. Like, what's your setup going to be? I can't wait to see what your setup looks like on Sunday. What time do the Packers play? That's a great question. Uh, yeah, what what kind of conflict of interest do you have over there, St. Clair? Well, I'll have, I'll have bare minimum two TVs. I could easily have three, and volleyball will be on one of them. TVs. Okay. Easy. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you guys a picture in the Discord. Uh, we've got a couple other things about American volleyball to talk about. 100%. I, I absolutely think that this is like the best segue to go in from the NCAA because I think yesterday was truly when, if, if you're not aware, there's a bit of a war for women's indoor volleyball starting up in America. I think yesterday was the first real flag set. Um, Pro Volleyball uh, League, which will be kicking off in the new year, went down with their first ever draft. Asia O'Neill out of Texas getting picked first overall. Um, a, I love the fact that they're doing a draft job. Drafts are Absolutely awesome. love that. Past that, though, why are we doing this in the middle of the NCAA tournament? Asia O'Neill is going to the Final Four, and and she's getting drafted. Like, how... how that that's just such a conflict of interest, right? Like you can't be excited at all because you need to be focused on the task. Let's wait until the new year, maybe. And every let's, let's and, try. Well, in every other sport, that would be completely illegal to have a professional illegal. professional draft while players are still playing in the NCAA. Completely legal. Second of all, why isn't this streamed? You've got why, to like, televise like, this. You have to televise this. You not even televise. Like it doesn't need to be on ESPN. It doesn't need to be on ESA, ABC. Hell, you want it streamed? Call these guys up. We'll do it from this exact chair right here, 100%. and we'll we'll just we'll just commentate it. We'll get someone in who knows uh, NCAA ball good, and we'll 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 talk about it. This has to be streamed. This has to be covered. This has to be fanfare. You need to make this big. It's not just a friggin' post on a Monday afternoon. Be like, we just did a draft. No one knew about it. No one can't like. What is going on? Why are we doing this? Such a Already massive, the starts. massive, massive missed opportunity. There has never been a volleyball draft like this in North never. American history. Never. Well, I wouldn't be. We had the one volleyball premier Premier League draft. You know that was able to be live streamed uh, from a from the back 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 room of a Lululemon. Okay. Um, <laughs> you have to talk. broadcast this. You have to broadcast this. It's crazy that uh, crazy that they didn't broadcast this. So, th- this is the Pro Volleyball Federation that that yes. did that. This that's this this league. They they stylize themselves, call it Real Pro Volleyball. Like that's their Instagram handle, which sounds like cringeworthy to me. I don't like that that they. Yeah. That's how they call it. But they did a draft. A draft is awesome. We love it in North American sports. I cannot believe that they didn't televise it or stream it somehow. Big swing and a miss. Should have done it. Should have done it like, well, what, what it should have been was NCAA final Saturday night, this draft Sunday during the day. That, that's, that's what it should have been. Anyway, swing and a miss on that. The same day as the first like women's volleyball draft in an American league, the other up-and-coming American professional women's league, League One Volleyball, LOVB, announces a partnership with USA Volleyball. Now, I have no idea what this partnership means, and nobody does. Obviously, (laughs) classic USA Volleyball to not not share any details about about a partnership that they announced. But uh, there is a very legitimate arms race and a very legitimate battle going on between (laughs) League One Volleyball on one side and the Pro Volleyball Federation on the other side. 
it's basically the same thing as on the men's side, the VLA versus the NVA, but with way more money on the women's way. side. <laughs> yeah. Far, far, far more money. And I, <laughs> you, and, you guys, this is like, is like neighbor gangs with rocks and sticks. This is a full-on war. <laughs> and so I'm going to be making a full. I'm going to be making a full video about all of this because right now there are five entities doing quote-unquote professional volleyball in the U.S. Five. That's insane. And okay, four, there's only and, real two. There's well, three. Four and four of them are doing women's uh, in in some capacity. So I'm I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a, a video about this. But uh, in summary, League One has they've League One has existed at least publicly for much much longer, but they're not playing volleyball at all until 2025. They've taken far longer to get things going, and they're kind of going for the club model where League One, the entity, has been buying junior clubs. And is going to attach the 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 pro teams to the junior clubs. The pro volleyball federation is completely different. They've just been sort of popping up these pro only franchises, and they're playing in only a couple months. So they're they're already in like mini camps. They start and, they they start in January. Like yeah, they like they have rosters. Like they're they're ready to go. And so there's there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different things going on, different approaches. Yeah, the the pro volleyball federation is the one that like Joe Burrow. Jason Derulo, Kevin Durant, like they've invested in teams, and uh, the, the the League One is taking much longer. But also, League One has the deal with USA Volleyball, whatever it means, and all of the top level American Olympians are all linked to League One. Yeah, all of them. Um, not to mention, they also just signed Barbellini. Like Barbellini is going to yeah, be coaching. Massimo Barbellini is coaching in League One. League One. And now, first and foremost, I have to say, I've heard some people say, there shouldn't be competing entities. You should just all work together. No, no, no. No, absolutely, absolutely not. not. This absolutely is the not. best best case scenario for, for uh, volleyball. And Rob, I'm sorry, I don't consider uh, the VLA as being in this arms race for uh, women's pro Oh, volleyball. for women's? No, not at all. Not even a little yeah. bit. Um, it, there's, there's, there's a three-way arms race. AU Sports got it going during the pandemic they aren't relevant in my opinion they're they're not real i think that they're going to fizzle out of volleyball and just kind of hand it off to these other two in the next in in the next few years we're going to see au fizzle out in my opinion and it's going to be between um league one and and real pro the fact that you've got twice the amount of of teams and professionalism and, and players like there's just so much opportunity for growth here for Yes, these players, but all the executives, all of the people within the teams, like the professionalism is going to be able to, to rise so much. League One Volleyball, Rob, as, as you've mentioned, does seem to have a bit more of a grassroots model. They're partnering themselves in the various regions of the United States and partnering themselves with big time clubs. What I would love, like, I think we're going to end up seeing kind of a European model versus an American model. And I mean, I think we're, we're, we're kind of seeing that where like, I would love to see a league one have like a multi-tiered system that you move up and down in depending on, on, on how good you are. That sounds familiar. That, that, that sounds familiar. You know, you guys, you guys, you guys stole it from, from Europe too. Like it's not, it's not revolutionary. This is how sports are done basically everywhere else, but where we are, um, whereas, you know, real pro is just like, we've, you've got teams, you've got to draft it. So it's going to be very interesting to see kind of who figures it out. Um, as of as of right now, we know nothing about like TV deals or like where oh. Real Pro Pro Volleyball Pro Volleyball Federation is going to be um, pr- 
broadcasting their stuff. That's they why currently I'm have very eight, curious about that. They currently have eighty nine subscribers on their YouTube page, um, so that's a thing. Uh, there's more of you watching right now than Real Pro has on YouTube, um, <laughs> so that that just kind of is what it is. Um, I'm also worried about Real Pro because I know very few of the names when it comes to Real Pro. Dude, me like, too. Like I know Asia O'Neill, of course, and a few of these girls who are getting um, uh, drafted. But past that, when I look at some of these rosters, it's like Lean Van Buskirk, the Canadian, is going to be playing Vegas. Uh, Bethania De La Cruz uh, is going to be playing for Omaha. Um, uh, also, Vuchkova, Christina Vuchkova from Belgium. Well, she, we'll she's she's Bulgarian, I think. She's been yeah. she's been in like big name European tournaments right. before. Yeah, like he was just playing for Fenerbahce last year. Yeah. Um. Uh. Let's see who's on a Anna Lazareva Laza, Laza on uh from Russia is on um will be on the Atlanta Vibe. Don't recognize any other. Yeah, I'm, here. I'm gonna make a video about this. We'll talk more about who's playing, but it, it's. It's interesting. I, I'm there's still so much about all of these that we, that we don't know, and I do think that there's a, a lot of swinging and missing going on in the marketing department, which is classic volleyball. Classic volleyball. You would expect that, like once we get all these big name superstars into the sport, we would start doing marketing a little bit better. No, <laughs> not I, yet. I, absolutely not. So stay tuned. I'm I'm going to make a video about this and break down what we know. But it seems to be a very very dynamic time right now where there's lots of stuff going on and lots of like moves and counter moves being made. Yeah. Um, also, real pro VB with that Franklin ball. Oh, it's the worst. It's have the worst. It? Yeah. Have you ever played with it? I have. It's absolutely horrendous because there's there's a lot of volleyball, a lot of ball companies that have been sending stuff to the VLA trying to get us to move away from the Mikasa hasn't happened yet because all of them are so bad. They're so bad. That Franklin ball is atrocious. It looks bad. It's bad. It 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 looks it reminds me of the Tachikara six that we had as our, our uh, national ball in Canada. I think I've got one in here somewhere. Oh, it doesn't really matter. Um oh, it's too far to grab. Um but yeah it, it just looks bad. Yeah. Like it just like I'm literally watching the video right now on it. And and like also like I also made the promos for that Tachikara because they used to be on the old channel and like way better than than what they're doing here. Guys, just call us up, please. We'll help you in the media and promotions department. Like, we will. We'd love to help. Love to help. We, Rob, we, we even quit his new job. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, we we would love to help with this. At the very least, we're gonna keep our fingers on the pulse of it as best we can. Yeah, I'm gonna work on a video that explains all this stuff whenever there's like a a lull in brand new information coming out but yeah stick around uh, it's a very interesting time to be a north american volleyball fan so champions league this week ncaa women's tournament this weekend it's actually a very big weekend in the super Lega. i think we're going to have a lot to talk about on next week's show uh italy wise women's club world championship just watch the finals and uh thank you all so much for being fans of volleyball source thank you for watching the nine by nine it's uh been a hundred awesome episodes and a lot of great memories and we couldn't do without you guys so thank you yes we love you all thank you very much for tuning in week by week we can't thank you enough it's been awesome this isn't technically the 100th episode probably sitting around 150 i'd say when you consider like like i mean like are we considering like we do we do two days during vnl 
Yeah, we do. So that's that right there is like 12 episodes that that we've done. Plus all of we might be looking closer to 200, Rob. It's a lot, uh, but we're we're going to celebrate anyway. So thank you guys. Join the volleyball source Discord. Links in the description. Hit up that volleyballstore.com for some merch, and uh, don't forget to find wherever Daddy Stankovich was hidden in this episode. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. Head over, head over to that volleyballstore.com, and we will see you next week, same time, same place, um, and we will see you this weekend as well while we watch some ball. Peace.